Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor, Brett Thorne. For this episode, I spoke with Chef Tiffany Derry and lawyer Tom Foley about their T2D Concepts, a company that is putting together a business model that will allow them to franchise their Roots Chicken Shack in underserved communities. We also talk about the magic of duck fat, the deliciousness of mango habanero sauce, and Kool-Aid. And now, Tiffany Derry and Tom Foley. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Absolutely. This is fun. Uh, well, you just wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, it's, the fun is, is the idea. Our, our audience doesn't want to listen to boring or bored people. <laughs> Uh, so so let's talk about uh, T2D and your restaurants. You're opening a new one soon, right? Or did it open already? Yeah, we're opening soon. Um, we have a Roots Chicken Shack in Plano, Texas. And then we also have a Roots Chicken Shack in Austin. Uh, and then we have Roots Southern Table uh, opening in, in the Metroplex as well. And that's the one that's not open yet. It's coming soon. And we are excited. A little bit different from Roots Chicken Shack. We are, um, it's home of the duck fat fried chicken. So small menu, smaller space, quick service, um, all of those great things. Um, but Southern. And then our Southern Table is full service patio bar. Um, really a real connection to the farm and really it's where i play um with some of the foods that i grew up eating and some of the foods that i've loved along the way so and what foods did you grow up eating let's and let's talk about this duck fat fried chicken that sounds like (laughs) like the right medium for frying chicken yeah so duck fat fried potatoes oh fried potatoes one of the things French fries, mm-hmm. yeah. potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, those are one of the things that I loved. Um, I took a trip to France when I was 18. And I remember having that first bite changed my life. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, dude, why can't all fries taste like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, years, years later, um, I had never made fried chicken in a restaurant. Like all of my life, never did it. You know, I knew that the moment that I served fried chicken, that it was it had to be amazing and it had to be better than um, fried chicken that I can get because I knew the scrutiny was going to be there and my family was going to be the worst critic of all. And so uh, eventually, you know, we were playing around and I tried it in duck fat and I was like, <gasps> it does make everything better. And so that's sort of how the, the duck fat fried chicken was born. And, and honestly, we, we do it with our fries. We do it with our fried chicken. We do chicken wings, chicken strips, our chicken sandwiches. Um, and our breadcrumbs for our Caesar salad also has duck fat. <laughs> so, so if you have any vegetarian customers, do you just say, I'm, I'm sorry? There's the recommend, you know, that they can have a salad, um, but we also are in a shared space. So that's sort of the beauty of it, right? Um, we're in a space where there are 22 other restaurants if they choose to. Um, and, and if they want vegetarian, there are other options available. We will expand our menu um, as we grow. But for the moment, um, we're finding that we're hitting a good, a good mark right now. Well, and, you know, I keep getting all these emails from... 
uh, vegetarian groups or companies producing all the vegetarian items and all the plant-based protein, all the vegan stuff saying, this is a growing trend. And then I talk to restaurant operators and, and they're like, no, no, our customers pretty much want fried chicken and French fries and hamburgers and desserts. You know, when they're at home, they tend to, you know, want more vegetarian, vegan options, right? And then um, in the restaurants, sometimes they just want to be, you know, they want to eat what they want to eat, right? Tom, when you go out, are you like restricted or, or are you like, okay, let's just go for it? Because he's a little more con conservative in his eating than I am. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, Brett, you have to remember first, I think you're, you're in Brooklyn, which, you know, I'm, I, I hail from New York previously, so I feel for it. We're in Texas now, so meat <laughs> in Texas is pretty big. So you, you got to keep that in, in mind. And, and then, you know, Tiffany, to Tiffany's point, uh, of the foodies, you know, I, I'm falling low down on the scale. But when we go out, that's when you want to relax a little bit. So I think we've, we've seen that as well. And then, you know, Tiffany was really talking about Roots Chicken Shack as opposed to Southern Table. Southern Table has a much broader menu. But I, I do want to pull it back as you, you, you asked the question, Brett, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fess up. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that question. Wonderful. T2D concepts. So I met Tiffany when she was operating T D concepts LLC. And then you know I'm an attorney by background, so she's asking me about it. And once you get to know Tiffany, her personality is engaging and Ultimately, I just said, you know, can, can, can I be that second T? Can I, can I get a second T in there? So that's where we came up with the T2D concept. So she kind of let me, let me fit in there. And what's uh, it stand for? Oh, Tiffany Dairy, huh? Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> okay. I, I can be really slow sometimes. We'll forgive you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, and so are you guys in the, the sort of Dallas Plano area or are you in Austin? Correct. We're in, we're in the Dallas area. We're okay. in the Metroplex. Gotcha. Uh, and so, which is meat country. And here in Brooklyn, you know, we, we are famous for our, our meaty stuff, our, our corned beef and pastrami sandwiches, as well as sure. knishes and pizza and everything. Uh, but we do also have the vegetarian crowd, as you do in Texas. We, we, yes, you know, it's, not, it's not all meat and potatoes. No. In fact, you know, um, even in our Austin location, it's how things differ, right? Like our Austin location sells a lot more salads than our Plano location. And don't get me wrong, um, our Caesar salad, it can go with the best of them. I mean, it is fantastic. It has white marinated anchovies. We take a mix of mustard greens, romaine, and kale. For our lettuce, shave it down, put that duck fat breadcrumbs on the top. It's fantastic. Mm. So you'll have a lot of people who are like, okay, I'll have that Caesar small, and then we'll also have the fried chicken. So yes, it, 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 we have a, a growing population of people who definitely are getting their veggies in. And, and where did you get the idea to open a, uh, a fried chicken restaurant? Well, you know, fried chicken has always been a love, but... Um, I used to be a part of another restaurant where I was executive chef and I did duck fat fried chicken on the menu. And it was the first time I did it. And I never in my days imagined that, you know, a place that has sweetbreads and scallops and, <laughs> and all of these other beautiful, you know, dishes would sell more fried chicken and mustard greens uh, than anything else. So um, that was sort of it. They were like, hey, you got some fried chicken in your purse everywhere I went. I'm like, okay, <laughs> do something with this. And, and so how, how long ago was that? Well, Brent, I, got, I have to interrupt. 
right? Please so, do. So what Chef is leaving out, not only was it selling, right, but it was served at the White House, not once, but twice. So when you have all of those orders coming in and then you have uh, President Obama's White House inviting you back for a second time to serve duck fat fried chicken, you know you're on to something, right? <laughs> You're 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 a good hype man, Tom. That was really good. Is that, you know what? You know what? I'm learning that more and more as the years go by. You're, but no, seriously though, he really does not only you know help me out. But he's like Tiff. Don't you remember you served it at the White House twice? I'm like, oh yeah, that might have been what kept pushing it too. <laughs> well, you know it, but it does help to have a hype man. So it doesn't sound like you're the one tooting your horn. But you have, you know, someone who admittedly does have a, a vested interest in, in tooting your horn. But nonetheless, oh, it, it sounds because he loves me so much. <laughs> that's, that's. <laughs> and so then the Southern Table is opening in the Metroplex area, as you said. Uh, when, oh, did you say? Soon. That's a Foley question. Mr. Yeah. Foley, when are we Foley, what, What's taking you so long, Mr. Foley? <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, like a lot of restaurants, kind of, wielding and, and navigating through the challenges with the, the past year and the pandemic and mm -hmm. making sure we're positioned uh, in the right space, uh, prepared for customers and in service of guests in a safe environment. So we've taken a lot of intentionality with uh, expanding the outdoor dining. Uh, we've, we've created or upgraded all the HVAC systems. We have air purifiers, making sure that uh, we're doing everything we can to create a safe, comfortable, environment for our guests uh so that's not a way of dodging the answer we're opening in june so okay. it will be open in june awesome and <laughs> and that, that's Brett, this is something that um i asked tom weekly are we there yet are we ready are we ready <laughs> well and i i've been reporting on restaurants long enough to know that a restaurant's not open until it's open anything can happen you don't know you know, I, and if a restaurant's not open yet and I have to write about it, I say it's slated to open at this time. I, you know, I can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to happen. So this is going to be a, a broader kind of Southern food restaurant. That's correct. Yes. And, and Tiffany, are you from Texas or someplace else in the South? I'm from Texas. My, my family's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I was born in Texas, spent much of my time um, in Louisiana, but I, I am a Texas thoroughbred. Well done. <laughs> I, I was raised kind of not to like Texans because I'm from Colorado oh. where, you know, the Texans come to ski, but I, I, every time I meet a Texan, I like them. So <laughs> I, and uh, I'm out of luck. I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and like admit that you like us. That's, that's it. right. So, it's Texans okay. are fine. It's okay. First step is admitting it. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's exactly it. That's all part of the journey. But well, you guys, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker, Brett. And we, we let you into to Brooklyn, so you know, yes, the Colorados can can like the Texans as well. Uh, absolutely. I tell Tom he's he's been here long enough that uh, he can just go ahead and you know attach that you know you're you're kind of Texans now. You know you're mm. a Texan. Uh, T2D isn't isn't just about uh, restaurants, right? You guys are, are have a have a a cause, and 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 you're about community and giving everyone a seat at the table. Is that that right? That's that's what your PR people tell me. You know, when you're when you're partners, it has to be more than just business. And we really came together talking about passion, 
principle, purpose, and profit, and doing it in that order so that you're creating a social cause, you're creating impact within the community. So for us, the idea of the table is where you're inviting everybody to, to join your table, really driving around inclusivity and opening up opportunities to not only dine with us, but what can we do as a restaurant group to create opportunities for others? And that's what aligns Tiffany and, and me through the process. That it's really cause driven. We, we do it through certainly Tiffany's passion of, of culinary skills and it's bigger than that. And that's really why when, when Tiffany says, I love her, right? It's, it's, it's the component where we have that shared mission and belief. And that's what, that's what keeps us truly motivated every day. When you're, when you're trying to stand up a restaurant and you know, you don't have the backflow valve in the right location, you know, there's gotta be a bigger cause that's pushing you. So thank you for asking that. That is really what we are about at T2B. So how does that actually manifest itself in, in what you do and your, involve, your interaction with your customers, your involvement with your community, whatever it is? Yeah, so you know, the, the, in, the, in the restaurant itself, and, and as we're talking to our manager and, and team, we talk about the fact that you have to welcome everybody to join your table. And that inclusive component starts with helping everyone celebrate and understand what's on the menu. So, you know, oftentimes you go into a restaurant and you'll, you'll have to, at least I do, I have to sneak my, my iPhone down and, and I'll Google what this is. So I, I'm not embarrassed about asking. And you know, what we want to do is if, if you, if, if I come to your table, I want to say, Brett, have you Googled anything on our menu? Because you have, I want to bring it from the kitchen and have you taste it. Right. I, I want you to celebrate what you don't know. I want you to experience what we're offering you. We want to learn together. So it's really driving that inclusive component. And then you take that outside the restaurant. What can we do? Tiffany, myself, and our team, what can we do to create opportunities? And that's really where the Roots Chicken Shack comes in. And we will go through all of the, the behind the scenes structuring, right? But when you have duck fat fried chicken served at soon to open Roots Southern Table, where it's a full service dining restaurant, where you have a, a, a much greater engagement, higher price point, and you're able to then offer that in a fast casual component. You have top chef driven food. You have a select number of menu items. You have a relatively reduced kitchen size. So when you're looking at a pro forma on a restaurant, you've got controlled labor costs, you've got controlled food costs, you have top chef quality driven components. Now the next step for inclusivity. Can we take a process where through our relationships, through banking partners, through partnerships with municipalities, where we can create opportunity for women and people of color to be the owners of their business. And Tiffany and I have been working on this for a, a lot of time strategically, five, six years, and we're not there yet, right? We, we have two locations. You know, if you look at what a franchise consultant's gonna tell you, you're, you're a little early, right? And Tiffany and I said, the pandemic put even greater pressure on Black-owned businesses specifically, 41% have shuttered within the last year. We can't wait. You know, there is no right time. And if we have a, an opportunity where we think we can introduce the, the right strategic partners, the right financial package, so that the creditworthiness of the borrower, in this case, the quote-unquote franchisee, isn't the obstacle, then we have a solution that we haven't seen in the restaurant space. So that's, 
that's that bigger component of where you're driving greater opportunity and, and trying to create equity uh, in areas that both Tiffany and I believe there, there needs to be greater focus. So how exactly do you do that? How do you, you find, how do you find uh, an entrepreneur, a uh, black one or a woman one or, or uh, uh, entrepreneur of color who might not have the, the credentials that a, a bank is looking for and, and empower them to own their own business? What's, what's the process for that? Yeah, I think this is, this is when we talk about our proprietary spice blend and, and you know, some of it can't be, it can't be disclosed, but it's, it's, there's no ingenious component to it. Right. So, so start with, and, and you know, I, I, have, I know that this is, this is focused really on, on food and otherwise, but if, if we shift for a second, we talk about historic components of systemic inequities and we talk about redlining with, within banks in certain areas that aren't receiving any funding. We know from a data perspective that those are statistically high, you know, it's majority minority population in those areas. We also know that they're low, lower socioeconomic areas. So what happens traditionally within a franchise space is if you're mapping out you know, your push pins of where you're going to open and you're looking at your demographic market analysis, you're going to do it driven on income components that match your guests. Those areas that have historically been redlined tend to, not intentionally perhaps, but tend to continue to not be the areas of focus. So step one, is focus on those areas. Now, when you focus on those areas, you want to provide opportunity for the franchisee to come from within that community. So our belief is if you're gonna grow a community, it has to be from the people in the community. So as it works out, you know, statistically, that's gonna be a person of color that's going to be joining as the franchisee. The person that's the franchisee that's coming in that has a credit score that a bank will look the other way. So you talk about access to capital. How can you solve that problem in creative ways? And we've been looking at creative ways to do that. There are guaranteed loan funds where you have really someone backstopping the franchisee. You have under the Community Reinvestment Act in the banking industry, you have ways that you can enhance lending from banking institutions. And then you partner with the municipality in our opinion as well, who have a vested interest in growing the community and driving greater engagement greater engagement in a tax base. So it's, it's literally taking all the ingredients from different areas and putting them in one area and mixing them up. And Tiffany and I look at that as leading the process. So again, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a path that you know, we haven't seen traveled and there are some bumps in the road that we'll hit, I know for sure. The, the way our brand is developed, could, should we, again, you know, Brett, you're in the industry much longer than I am to say, you know, coming out and trying to franchise when you have two or three locations, it'll premature, you know, stand up five, stand up 10, and then do it. We don't have that luxury. So creating that whole formula, that whole ingredient list is how we're pretty excited about pushing this forward. And what we were talking about this the other day and in uh, sticking with analogies and cooking, I said that the bread isn't baked fully and we're taking it out of the oven. But when we take it out of the oven, can we get the heat of the community, right? The heat of the bank, the motivation behind the bank trying to create these opportunities. Can we create the motivation from the municipalities? Can we create motivation from corporate sponsors? Can we create motivation from the community that drives heat, that finishes breaking, baking the bread? 
that's what that's what we're betting on. We're betting on the power of people and the power of community. So, you know, cross our fingers. So you you mentioned four P's. The first one was passion, and the fourth was was profit profitability. What were the other two? Principle and purpose. Principle and pr those are great. So you start with the passion, and you have passion, as you said, from from the community to to create to give the heat required to finish baking the bread. And ultimately, it has to be profitable. Uh, and, but the reason that restaurants often don't open in, in the areas that you're looking to open in is, is doubt that the community will have the resources, the disposable income to come in and buy a fried chicken. So is, I, I mean, I guess that's something that you figure out in your economic modeling so that it's part of the, of the goal is to be able to open in those communities. So is that, is that a question of, uh, I mean, getting the right financing in order, I'm sure, but also is it, is it managing food or labor costs in such a way that you can keep the prices low? And Tiffany, if you want to jump in, feel free. How do you do that when you're frying things in duck fat? Well, I think it's first, I think first to understand that before we opened Roots Chicken Shack, when we were simply talking about the idea, we knew that we wanted to franchise. It was never meant to open one restaurant. <laughs> so we were looking at that from the very beginning to the point of making sure that we used a bread company that was local um, that could produce this for us to the point of buying you know certain items that we knew we could make a profit off of as well meaning for instance we we do chicken thighs instead of chicken breast on our sandwiches we only have three proteins all day um, our vegetables is a small amount that we cut up um, lettuce tomatoes onions some fresh eggs, that's it, you know? So the model, when you say making money, was the model we've been working on now for almost four years being open. Um, so we've been reworking this. Um, and, and as Thomas said, there's so many other factors that we have going on um, to make this whole thing work. One, again, finding the city um, and having them as great partners. Of course, financing is important, but also it's the structure. Um, a lot of times people get into business and they are figuring it, figuring it out as they go, right? Um, a lot of this was figured out before we ever opened the door. And it was like, we don't need to do this if our percentage and our cost is not here, if our labor is not here. If, like this wasn't some afterthought of let's make a franchise with this, we're doing great. <laughs> um, and so one thing that we've learned along the way is number one, square footage is important. We don't have large square footage models to begin with. Um, our food cost is in line, our labor cost is in line, and why is that in line? So we figured out the menu items, the structure, the dance in the kitchen of where things need to go in order to make the food out quickly, right? Um, and then in certain cases, we have learned things along the way. Um, for instance, in our Austin location, um, the guest places the order. We don't have a cashier that places the order. So there's a lot of, a lot of structure that comes to creating the model that works for us. So how does the guest place the order? Is that is that a smartphone thing or a kiosk or how does it work? It's a kiosk, yeah, a face forward kiosk. Well, that that makes sense, especially since not everybody has a smartphone. Even though we feel Correct. like everybody does, there are people who don't. And I'm and I'm thinking if you're opening in neighborhoods where people don't necessarily have a lot of disposable income, your rent's also going to be lower. So that's that's helpful, huh? <laughs> 
Very helpful. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, all things have to work, right? Um, we have to see that there is some excitement. And, and of course, there has to be some, some income in the area in order to make it work. Um, but, you know, the duck fat isn't the only thing that's on the menu, right? right. So there's other things. And um, we're just, we're able to create partners that can give us proper pricing and all of that um, to work. So there's, there's definitely a recipe uh, for what's happening. <laughs> a recipe to bake the bread, to inspire the passion and the purpose of the community and turn a profit. This is you fun, fine with these. I think one example where we we learned the most and and tom you can um talk about this too was you know during the pandemic there's been a lot of things that obviously has had to change right um but we you know we have sort of weathered that storm and still is um some people like to say we're thriving that still makes me very nervous to say <laughs> um <laughs> because you know every day is a different day and and in some ways the word pivot gets on my nerves, the adjusting, all of that. But those are things that you do have to do. Um, when the snow, snowstorm came for Dallas, it was a really big thing for us, right? Like it was devastating to so many. And when we talk about community, um, one of the things that we did was before we ever opened our doors, we just served free food. We, we had free food for the community. It was not about making money. It wasn't about you know, trying to figure all that out. You know, we said, Tom and I, okay, let's just do this today and we'll worry about tomorrow and tomorrow, right? Um, and when we did that, we saw the community, not only, you know, there's obviously people in need, but there were people who didn't need and they were like, hey, take this, you know, hey, I have a connection with this vegetable company. I have this meat company. Um, we want to help. How can we help? And so we've seen the, the power of community. I mean, and it is strong. And so we've just learned, you know, let's let's dig deeper with this community and, and let's make sure that wherever we put roots that we we literally put the roots into the community that's what changes things that's <clears throat> excuse me that's a beautiful approach and you know it's interesting even with big giant chains we found in recent years that the fastest growing ones are the ones with community involvement that have a strong component of that and that's just part of their mission and it 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 actually works <laughs> what a thought <laughs>